1: it's time for the your personal bank show with ference toth financial literacy educator and speaker entrepreneur and chairman of the board of a bank information take charge of your financial future with your personal bank now here's ference toth welcome to the your personal bank show this is
2: ference and we have a lot to discuss so we're going to jump right into it so first of all recently the federal reserve raised interest rates another quarter point that brings the federal funds rate to five percent. Now, also the Federal Reserve also signaled to raise interest rates at least one more rate hike this year, which um, and then they they predict or project to not start reducing or lowering rates until sometime in twenty twenty four. Now, the thing about a five percent federal funds rate—that's the rate. That banks use to lend money to each other, an overnight discount rate, they call it. The that's sort of the basis for all interest rates. And the one one of the key interest rates that's important for individuals is something called the prime rate. It's called the Wall Street Journal Prime Rate. It's posted um, every month. It changes on a monthly basis. And typically the prime rate is about 3% or three points above the federal funds rate. So a federal funds rate of 5% translates to roughly an 8% prime rate. Now, prime, if you don't already know, that's typically defined as the lowest rate or the best rate an individual can borrow with great credit. So we are going to likely see 8% mortgages, 30-year fixed mortgages, in the near future, uh, again, for people with great credit, okay? Now, this is important to understand because if you've been listening to this show any period of time, you know that we have rates locked in through 2023 at 5.7%, for example, uh, with a number of places. And so <laughs> 5.7% is a heck of a lot better than 7 or 8%. And by the way, the 5.7% rate we, we have available is not dependent on your credit score. If you set up a personal bank, by the way, and you're accessing funds against a policy, uh, there's no credit review or anything like that. It's your money. You can access it and borrow it at a much, much lower rate than you can get anywhere else today. Uh, it's the cheapest, rate, cheapest money in town, okay? Bottom line. Now, um, also, what's very important, what the Federal Reserve did, though, is they also uh, uh, they um, they signaled that they're going to continue reducing their holdings. In other words, that means they're going to sell stocks, bonds, and mortgage-backed securities. Now, most people have heard the phrase, don't fight the Fed. Well, what it means is by reducing their holdings, it means they're selling stocks and bonds and mortgage-backed securities in the market, in the open market. They currently have roughly about $8.5 trillion of assets on their books okay? And I'm going to go into this a little bit uh, further in more detail. This is going to be important. They're, they're the largest holder of assets in the world, okay? And so when the, when the Fed starts selling assets on the market, whether it's the stock market, bond market, mortgage-backed securities, they're the 800-pound gorilla. What do you think happens typically to those markets when they're a net seller? Well, obviously, the markets are going to be under pressure, and and generally speaking, go down, okay? And you don't sell $8.5 trillion of assets overnight. In fact, to give you an idea, in, uh, let's see, about May of 2022, which was roughly when they decided to, May, June of 2022, is when the Fed decided to start selling some of their assets. They had close to $9 trillion. And then by the time we got to... um, Early March of 2023, they had managed to sell off roughly about 800 billion in assets, so less than one trillion of their roughly nine trillion that they own. Now they don't expect to sell all of it, but they want to reduce it significantly, as they have stated. So it took them a little bit less than a year to to sell off about 800 billion dollars of assets, or. So in other words, they were selling off at about a trillion a year rate, okay, of assets. But here's what's interesting. When Silicon Valley Bank failed, Signature Bank failed, by the way, the two second and third largest bank failures in U.S. history, okay, this big deal. This is a big deal. They decided to, of course, make them whole, all the depositors, and to do so, they opened up an um they opened up an option for banks to access funds in the future and things like that. But they, uh, they generated liquidity to be able to make all those, all those investors or all those depositors, I should say, whole. Well, what did they do? Well, they had to generate, when they say we're going to generate $300 billion of liquidity, what does that mean? What it means is the Federal, the Federal Reserve prints $300 billion of m- new money. Because, see, they don't, the government doesn't have any money, do they? I've said that, stated this over and over and over again on this show. You know, they have, they have debt. They owe, spend more than they bring in. They ha- have something like $31 trillion of debt, outstanding at this point. So when they decide to uh, generate more dollars, they turn on the printing presses. And they generated roughly $300 billion of new money in the last week or so. In other words, it's no different than if Congress had passed a resolution to uh, a spending bill to spend $300 billion. Now, what does that do? Well, of course, that increases the amount of money in the system, which further contributes to inflation. Now, here's what's so irritating and frustrating about this whole situation regarding the Federal Reserve deciding to, you know, Unilaterally, just say, "Hey, we're going to print three hundred billion dollars of more money." The problem come is is this: who voted for that? No one. It was just some unelected bureaucrats who decided, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna print three hundred billion dollars of more money." And how who does that affect? Well, everyone, every taxpayer, obviously. In fact, every person who purchases anything food clothing housing it affects all of us and these are completely and totally unelected bureaucrats doing this that's what's so infuriating about all this whole situation and, and and in my opinion completely and totally unconstitutional because who according to the constitution who has the purse strings that happens to be congress and more specifically the house the house is supposed to be House of Representatives is supposed to be where all spending bills originate, yet we have a government that is compl- has far too much power and control, and just randomly to save some banks save some a uh, couple of banks that failed that were not systemically necessary we can go we if if you want to go into more details about the reasons behind why. Silicon Valley fa- Bank failed and all that. I'm going to encourage you to go to yourpersonalbank.com and listen to last week's show. You can listen to that or any of the previously recorded shows anytime you want. I go into quite a bit detail last week about about the bank failures and all about and what happened and and you know, how should we react, right? Well, how should we how do we deal with this? So I'm not going to go into all that detail again, but what's what's frustrating is how like I said earlier how we have a situation where we have unelected bureaucrats just decide, you know what, we're going to, we're going to save these depositors. No one, no one got to vote on it. You talk about taxation without representation folks. Inflation is a tax. It's, it's a tax on literally everyone. It's an insidious tax, but it's still a tax. And you know, this country was founded on the very premise of no taxation without representation. Yet we just got another $300 billion bill thanks to the Federal Reserve uh, deciding to print that money again without any, any input from Congress or any elected rep, any of our representatives. That's the part I find so infuri- infuriating. And not only is it happening here in the United States, this is literally happening throughout the world because the Federal Reserve and five other central banks announced coordinated steps to boost liquidity in the in the in the system, and they took action with the Bank of Canada, Bank of England, Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the Swiss National Bank. So this is happening throughout the Western world, where these banks are adding liquidity. That's their term; they like to use. It sounds not. Innoc- you know, it doesn't sound like it's a bad thing. It's a terrible thing. It it enhances or further exacerbates inflation. That's what it does. And none, no one got to vote on this. No one got a voice in in this. No Some bureaucrats decided that's what we're going to do. So that's one part of it. It's gonna to enhance in you know further exacerbate inflation. But it also by Doing this, the Federal Reserve also came out again and stated they're going to continue tightening, uh, selling their stocks, bonds, and mortgage securities, which will, of course, further be a downward push on assets, stocks, bonds, and real estate assets. So we've got a double whammy, so to speak, going on here through the very, very poor economic uh, management of the Federal Reserve. I've been very critical of them for not recently, but for several years, as have many, many others. I'm not the only one. It's it's infuriating. It's just so frustrating that these people that think they know better, they think they can make decisions and control economic situations and... Far too often these quote unquote experts are not experts at all in any shape or form or manner based on their actions uh, they in fact they do nothing but make it worse, exacerbate the problems, and make them absolutely worse. so the thing is this whole thing about them spending or printing three hundred billion more dollars you know it didn't hit the news it wasn't in the media oh by the way you can it's public record you can go to um the Federal Reserve, it's actually, it's, uh well, I'm going to post it on the yourpersonalbank.com website so you can check it out. But it's from the Federal Reserve, uh, from the org website, where they post what their total assets are. And you can see that at the beginning of March, you know, it was going down for about the past year, roughly. It's been going down, down, down. And then you get this sharp spike up in this past week or so. It's a cr- extremely frustrating. It's. As I stated before, taxation without representation, in my opinion, and is completely and totally wrong. If you want to learn how to navigate this, I'm going to share with you some solutions in the show, so I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. Contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com.
1: Again, that's 866-268-4422. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference.
2: Well, the last segment I was discussing how the Federal Reserve has raised rates, planned to continue to raise rates, through the, uh, again, through 2023, at least one more time, but they uh, have also projected they are not going to reduce any rates until probably sometime in 2024. So, I, I my opinion, and that's probably more of a rosy assessment. I'll share with you some more reasons why in this segment why I think that's rather, you know, <laughs> it's. Not, but bottom line is, even if probably the best case scenario, we'll put it that way. Uh, We're not looking at lower interest rates for at least another year. Okay. And that's even according to the Federal Reserve. Well, what does that mean? We're going to have higher than average, we're going to have significantly higher interest rates at least for another year before the Fed does any tapering. That's a term that's used to start reducing them. Um, They've also injected more liquidity into the system, as I stated, something about $300 billion in the past week or so. This is, you know, this is according to the Federal Reserve website itself. Okay, which is going to further contribute to inflation, which is the very thing that the Fed is supposed to supposedly trying to fight and reduce. And the thing is, here's the other point. This is um, this is also from the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve has a what they call an emergency discount window. This is uh, this is where it's banks have the ability to borrow funds um, from the Federal Reserve if they need them for whatever reason. And generally speaking, banks are very hesitant to do so. I mean, they get a good rate. well well, normally they do right now it's five percent. But the point is they uh, they're able to borrow funds from directly from the Federal Reserve, but they're hesitant to do do so because when word gets out that a bank is borrowing from the Federal Reserve, that generally means they're having financial problems, and banks don't like that information. you know they don't like to get that out you know in the public, obviously. Uh, Because that's where bank runs and things like that tend to happen. So, again, they generally hesitate from doing so. In fact, if you look, uh, according to the Federal Reserve website, there's a chart showing how much money was borrowed from the Federal Reserve by banks. And most of the time, it's close to zero. But, obviously, in 2008 and 2009 period, um, over $100 billion was borrowed uh, during about a, a year or so period, about a two-year period, uh, that was the Great Recession. And then we had the uh, COVID shutdown, March of uh, 2020. Uh, roughly about $50 billion was borrowed through that roughly month. or yeah, It was about a six-month period there where banks borrowed from the uh, Federal Reserve directly. And again, close to zero until very recently, in this past month roughly, over 150 billion dollars was borrowed from banks by banks from the federal reserve that is an all-time record now why is this so important a bank isn't going to borrow money from the federal reserve unless they need to to shore up their reserves and that kind of stuff that tells you that shows bank weakness or fi- the financial weakness of banks in fact a recent study shows that 800 i'm sorry 186 banks in the US are vulnerable if just half of their depositors would withdraw their funds. And that's sort of a benchmark that's uh, used often uh, on a bank-run type of scenario. Again, I'm not going to talk about all the reasons why here today that the banks are in such weak financial position. It has to do with, of course, purchasing bonds that paid far lower interest rates even just a year ago, and now bonds pay much higher interest rates because the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates faster at any point in their history in the past year, therefore making those previous bonds worth much less. So the Federal Reserve caused the problem is the point. They're trying to become the solution also. But the problem is when they become the solution, what do they do? The reality is they just throw money at the problem, don't they? And when you're talking about and trying to uh, reduce inflation, throwing money at the problem – Is like throwing gas on a fire. You're just causing more of the same problem because inflation, by definition, is having too much money in the system, chasing too few goods and services, right? So when you throw more money into it, what are you doing? You're just fanning the flames. You're fanning, you're fueling the fire, okay? So I don't know how this is all gonna play out. We've never seen a situation like this. There's a few other things why I'm becoming more, I'm generally speaking, an optimist. And I've, I've many, many people have asked me, uh, what do you think is going to happen and all that? And I'm still positive about um, the long-term future, financial future of this country. But the short term, the next year or two or three even, maybe longer, um, I'm rather pessimistic. And there's a number of reasons, and becoming more so. And here's why. Well, do you know, and these are facts, that once inflation gets above 5%, and current uh, it it and, and here's the point once inflation gets over five percent it never comes down unless the federal funds rate is higher than the CPI rate well the, the, that's the consumer price index and we've talked about that many times the CPI in February of twenty twenty three was five and a half percent so the federal funds rate is five right now that means just based on Every single time in previous history, that means federal funds has got the funds rate, the Fed's got to raise their rate at least another half a point, and it has to be above that, not equal, but above to tackle inflation. So even though many economists, financial, a lot of people in the stock market say, oh, we're going to top out and start going down. Even the Federal Reserve's kind of saying, well, we're going to have one more rate increase, maybe a few others, then we'll start going down. The reality is they're probably going to have to get it up around 6% based on current inflation rates to have even have a chance to knock down inflation, which is, they stated, their number one goal. So the other thing that's so important is this country has never, and this is a statistical fact, has never had a soft economic landing after inflation was above 4.5%. We keep talking about Having a soft landing where we'll have no inflation or a light inflation or a recession, I'm sorry when this is all done well, it's never been done before, and with the bank failure situations going on and throwing money at this at the problem causing more problems or exacerbating the problem further, the likelihood of a soft landing is becoming more and more remote. And the other thing, in other words, a recession is becoming increasingly likely. In fact, it's extremely likely. The yield inversion curve, that's the yield yield between the 2- and the 10-year curve, has nearly always, nearly every single time, accurately forecasted a recession. And between the 2-year bond and the 10-year bond, we've seen the largest yield inversion curves, some of the largest we've ever seen in history. The bond market's typically very, very accurate in those kinds of forecasting. So the ability for the Federal Reserve to give us a soft landing here where banks are struggling financially, inflation is still triple where it should be, and they still haven't raised rates. So They're going to have to raise rates higher based on historical evidence just to tamp it down. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment because I've got a few other things and then some solutions that I think you're going to like. So if you want more information, contact me at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. Don't miss this because I've got some very interesting news, uh, information that thinking forward, where
1: where are we headed? Where where are things going to be in the next 5-10 years? So I'm really going to encourage you to stay tuned. Don't miss it. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Tooth. Welcome back to the Your Personal
2: Bank Show. This is Ference. So I've been discussing in the show about what the Federal Reserve has done recently, what they're What they're telling us they're going to do, back this up with historical previous cycles, things like that, in terms of when the Federal Reserve was successfully able to tamp down inflation, the additional problem of having the weakness in the banking sector and the uh, decision, which I think is very erroneous, of the central banks of the Western, Western societies deciding to essentially throw more money at the problem which further exacerbates inflation. Well, my point is this. Well, let me give you one last example here. Uh, Credit Suisse, the lar- eighth largest bank in the world, uh, the Swiss central bank decided to uh, rescue that bank and effectively costs each citizen, Swiss citizen, roughly $13,500 in tax liabilities. They back- they- it's a public liquidity backstop, of something like $108 billion um, in addition to some other things. And the reality is they just saddled the Swiss citizens, every single one of them, with over 13 grand in liabilities to save Credit Suisse Bank. It's this this this, this willingness by the central banks to throw money at the problem. And it's really not their money. Whose money is it? Who ultimately ends up paying for these bailouts? I know what the politicians are saying, and I know what the uh, the uh uh legacy meeting is saying. Folks, the reality is the taxpayer is the one that's going to pay, and actually it even goes beyond that. Every single taxpayer, customer, employee, family, everyone will pay. Why? Well, This money ultimately, this backstop, comes from the taxpayers who contribute into the system. Anyone who purchases something is going to pay more through inflation for the cost of goods and services. So literally everyone will pay for this. Now, because of this, because the answer, the central bank's answer to every financial problem, it seems to be they just print more money, throw money at the problem. You know, that. how long are they going to do this? How long are they going to continue to go down this path? If we want to look at a little bit of behavioral history of the central banks, well, the past decade, actually for about 12 years after o eight o nine, the central banks, including our Federal Reserve, artificially kept interest rates at historical lows for about 12 years far, far longer than they should have. Certainly, in, uh, you know, oh nine, oh eight, oh nine, dropping the rates at that point to help soften the blow of the Great Recession made sense. And keeping it there for a couple of years or so also made logical financial sense. But after two or three years or so, and allowing things to settle down, they could have and should have slowly but steadily increased rates back to a normal, normal rate. They could have slowly over a number of years brought the rate, let's say up to around 3%. Right now they're at 5 The Federal Reserve themselves state that 3% roughly is what they consider a neutral rate. It's where they're not impacting the economy either way, both either positive or negatively. They could have done that but well, what happened they got addicted to cheap money and then our our economies and everything else blew up asset values blew up particularly in stocks and real estate and things got out of hand and they kept it there far too long even the federal reserve today admits that and they created the problem that we see now and then once they finally belatedly realized they had a problem they started Raising the rates and and tapering, you know, selling off assets and doing these things, of course. Trying to catch up, because they were behind the eight ball, trying to catch up and doing it far too fast to where they broke something. And what have they broken so far? Seems like the banking system, a big part of it. Again, how long are they going to continue throwing money at the problem every time there's a problem? Well, they kept the interest rates far too long, easily for a decade too long or are they going to keep throwing money at the problems for the next decade or until some type of major event occurs, the uncontrollable problem like war or something like that comes along that they can't control? I wouldn't put it past them. What does that mean? Folks, it means we're going to have higher than average inflation likely for the next decade. I hate to be the bearer of bad news and don't shoot the messenger, but I'm just sharing with you, I'm looking at the facts Numbers don't lie, math doesn't lie, and the actions are taking don't lie. Stay tuned with me in the next segment. I'm going to share with you some solutions and some good news about this. If You want more information, contact me, toll-free, 866-268-4422, or yourpersonalbank.com.
1: Again, that's 866-268-4422. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth.
2: Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, And, uh, you know, I haven't had a lot of good news today. But, again, as I stated, I would rather you know the facts. I would rather tell you what you need to know rather than what you want to know. Um, I'm just, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really just, I'm tired of people who have agendas, a lot of our political leaders, Our so-called experts, the, uh, the legacy media and various people like that, trying to tell us what they think we want to hear or trying to protect their jobs or hoping things don't get worse, rather than just telling it like it is. And the reality is we've had the second and third largest bank failure in the history of the United States in the last few weeks. The Federal Reserve decided, and Treasury Department decided to step in and make all the depositors whole, regardless of the size of the account. In essence, creating—well, um, it's a socialist system, is what it is. Central planning. It's a situation where you, um, every, you know, you have a universally guaranteed insurance plan for for those depositors. That's not what FDIC was set up to do. Everyone who's deposited money in a bank knows that if it's an FDIC-insured bank, their, their accounts are guaranteed up to $250,000. There's signs in every bank that you ever walk into or every website you ever look at on an FDIC-insured bank. It's not like it was a secret. If folks were willing, for whatever reason, to put more than that into a bank, knowing it wasn't um, guaranteed, folks, that's their problem. They made that decision that's that should be their that that that's what they should you know they should deal with the consequences. Look if you buy a stock and it goes down in value, should we should all the rest of us bail you out and pay you off because you made the wrong decision or things maybe things went against you if you buy a piece of real estate and the property value happens to drop, should we guarantee the value of that property? I think not. People who invest in those types of things understand the risk. That's part of the risk reward calculation that you make. Look, if you want guarantees, there are there are assets that have guarantees. Again, FDIC insured accounts are insured up to $250,000. The your personal bank insurance policies are also guaranteed and insured. Uh, annuities, many annuities are guaranteed and insured CDs are, I mean, there's, there's, there are investments that have guarantees and have insurance. And if that's important to you, then you should choose those assets or choose to put a certain percentage or portion of your assets, your portfolio in those assets. But when you choose otherwise, and then things go wrong, why should we, the rest of us, have to reimburse you for that. That, again, is socialism. That is uh, government bureaucrats, unelected, deciding bailouts for everybody or whoever we decide to bail out, whoever we favor. Folks, I have a lot of problem with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank depositors being bailed out regardless of the size of their account for a lot of reasons. I know it was done for political reasons. But also, do you know that many there was a good portion of the depositors in Silicon Valley Bank in particular that were Chinese citizens and companies, some that have connections with the Chinese Communist Party? Why should your and my tax dollars be used, because we're the ultimate guarantors, why should our tax dollars be used to bail out Chinese foreign nationals? I'm sorry, I have a problem with that. And making a unilateral decision, a unelected bureaucrat making that decision, I also have a major problem with that. Look, the thing is, we're going to pay for it in multiple ways. Ultimately, the taxpayer, the cons- customer, is on the hook. They're going to pay more in inflation. There'll likely be more fees for using banks and things like that. Because FDIC, folks, they only had about FDIC had about $130 billion, give or take, and they just blew the wad. They just took it and said, all right, we're going to make everybody whole. Okay? So if another bank goes down, where's that money coming from? Well, like I said, the Federal Reserve's already stepped in and said, look, we're going to save these so many of these other banks or make money available so they can keep themselves whole. They've already printed $300 billion in the last couple of weeks, which, again, contributes at, at exacerbates inflation further. It's already this is a bigger problem than many many people in media want you to think it is, or the politicians or whatever, and you need to be aware of it and also the thing i need i think you need to be aware of and understand is inflation is going to be higher than you thought most people think, and it's going to be higher for a lot longer than most people think. I would not be surprised if we see we look back a decade from now. And this decade, it'll average 3 or 4% inflation, if not higher, far higher than the 2% inflation target of of the Federal Reserves and quadruple of what it's been for the past decade, where much of the last decade was less than 1% inflation. And the thing is, here's why this is so important. Typical average inflation over the last 100 years, is a, has, the average has been about 2.5%, which means the cost of things double roughly every 20 years, okay? Well, when inflation levels grow at twice that rate, which I would not be surprised based on what the central banks are doing and our, our stupid economic spending with our government and policies, well, that means price of every goods and sur- everything on average could double in 10 years, twice as fast. Why is that so important? Well, in the last two years this is statistical facts, folks the average cost for food for the average family has increased about 25 to 30 percent in two years. If we see another doubling in the next decade, you start to understand where people are going to start to really struggle. This is serious. This is serious stuff, folks. And these are the things that I say are, do you have a plan? to manage additional inflation, additional costs for everything you need to pay for, not only now but in the future. And unfortunately, the stock market and real estate markets particularly may not be the solution that they were the last decade. In fact, it's highly, highly unlikely that we're going to see gains in this next decade like we saw the last decade, again, because of higher in- interest rates and inflation and because of Federal Reserve. That owns currently about eight and a half trillion dollars worth of assets, stocks, bonds, mortgage-backed securities. That they are committed to selling. Don't fight the Fed. They're the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. They're the ones that are going to. They're going to be the biggest seller on the block, and they're going to be the largest seller on the block for the next several years. Based on the rate of selling that they've done for the past year. And the target of where they want to reduce their balance sheet, it will take the Federal Reserve another five or six years to get their balance sheet down back down to the two two to three trillion mark that they've stated they want to get to. Folks, those are the facts. That's the math. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm trying to educate you. And if you hear people saying, Oh, the worst is over, and it's gonna get better, and blah, 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 I disagree. And I, I believe I have very strong, valid reasons for disagreeing. I'm not being a pessimist. I'm not being, oh, the sky is falling. I'm stating facts. And you should be concerned. And you should, what what should you do? What should you do? We all know the solutions. We've all heard them. Diversify. Create different ass, buckets of money. Put assets in I don't have, I've talked to so many people recently still who have 100% of their money in equities. Look, the last decade, you could get away with that. I don't think that's going to be a good solution for the next decade. You need to diversify. You need to diversify into non-correlated assets. You need to think about assets that, here's what you really need to do, folks. Think about what worked the last decade, what really shined and then think about the things that were, were, did not do so well, that struggled, and flip-flopped them. What did really well in the last decade? Stocks, real estate, cryptocurrencies, right? What, was, what struggled? Interest rate-sensitive assets like bonds, insurance, dividends, annuities, CDs, savings. Gold, silver, those are the things that didn't do much. They languished. Why? We were an easy monetary policy. That has all changed. Folks, I've not been a big precious metals proponent for the last 10, 15 years. Why? Interest rates were low. Monetary policy was easy. That is, It's all changed. It's different today. We are in a dramatically, and I mean a dramatically different uh, economic environment than we were even just a year ago. So in a higher interest rate environment, we're going to see higher dividends with the personal bank policies, for example. Annuities already, we're seeing tremendous increases in returns and cap rates and the ability to earn. Having some guarantees, downside protection becomes more important In a struggling economy, because when bad news happens, what do you think happens? When you get bad news in a strong economy, it's bad. What do you think bad news is in a struggling economy? I think I said that backwards. Let me say it one more time. If you get bad news in a strong economy, that's bad, but it usually recovers. What happens when you get bad news in a struggling economy? Not so good. takes a lot longer to come back. Okay? I'm not saying we're never going to come back. I'm not saying there's never going to be a strong economy again. I believe there will be. I believe, in my opinion, this is purely my opinion, we're at least, at least a year or two, maybe three, from seeing things start to turn around. And I'm saying that because of things that the Federal Reserve is saying and doing. I'm listening to them and I'm watching economists and pundits and And the markets and everything else just, you know, la, 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 whistling, whistling in the grave. They're not paying attention. They're allowing their previous comfort zone, their previous experiences for the past decade rule their decision-making now. They're allowing emotions to control their thinking, okay? Don't fall into that trap. Consider your personal bank because it's a diversified a diversified asset. It's also gar- has guarantees. It's insured. It has it. It's a non-correlated asset. It also happens to be tax-free. That's a future risk. I had discussed with somebody today about thinking about investing, and I said, "Do you want to have that money subject to future potential tax risk?" He's like, "No, of course not." Well, you want a tax-free type of investment then and your personal bank will do that. And lastly, what your personal bank does is it allows you the ability to create positive arbitrage, because when you earn more in dividends and you get charged in interest, you get to keep the difference on the monies that you spend, which means your money goes farther. And during higher interest rates or higher inflation in particular, having your money work for you and last longer and go farther is paramount. It becomes more important than ever. We're in an increasing dividend rate environment. We're in an exciting period for personal bank and dividend type assets and interest rate sensitive assets. If you have not considered this before, now is the time. Also, these are not subject to risk like the banks because there's no leveraging going on. That's where the banks get themselves in trouble. Contact me with your, uh, for more information at 866 268 4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. Last time, 866-268-4422, or yourpersonalbank.com. And it's still on our money, so I'm going to say it loud and clear. In God we trust. If you have not considered this before, now is the time. Also, these are not subject to risks like the banks because there's no leveraging going on that's where the banks get themselves in trouble contact me with your uh for more information at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com again that's 866-268-4422 last time 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com and it's still on our money so
1: i'm gonna say it loud and clear in god we trust For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ferentz at yourpersonalbank.com. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and writers may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare it when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates.